celebrating second place or lamenting a failure to take first place, welcome to the post-World Cup episode of Hand I'm Sam Kelly. Uh, I have a bit of a sore throat and cold this week, so I apologise if I sound more bunged up than normal. It's because I am. Uh, we are joined this week, I am joined this week, uh, in English Dan's living room. Hello, welcome. Uh, by Andres Bruckner. Hello, welcome. And Gustavo Malamud. Hello. Welcome back, gentlemen, and commiserations to the two Argentines, particularly. Um, although Dan and I, of course, were very disappointed as well on Sunday. Uh, I was more... Uh, disappointed than I expected to be, in fact, by by the result. Um, where do we start with a, a look back on Argentina's World Cup? The semis and the final one, I think, of course, because we did have an episode last week where we looked at the tournament to date. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, hard, it's hard to be happy having lost a game. Uh, I think I... I I'm not happy uh, only because of the of the result of the achievement, because it was a, an achievement uh, despite the the the, the, the losing the, the final against Germany. Uh, because for me, it's not the same when you you win uh, or you uh, make something. Uh, in a way, you know how how you did it. Mm. In this case. Uh, there was there was a, 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 a clear object, a, a clear goal which was to to uh, get uh, to the semi-finals, which uh, haven't been done uh, since uh, the Italy uh, 1990. And uh, the way the, the, the players uh, uh, showed themselves uh, uh, that they, they, they gave everything uh, uh, for their for their teammates and and, and, and uh, not only uh, during the matches but outside the, the pitch also. That's for me is the most important lesson they left, and it's up to us if we take it and we learn from that or not. Uh, uh, that that is even for me more important than the the, the result, which is also very important because uh, uh, not. Uh, Every World Cup, you get to a final, and that's really remarkable. Mm. Especially for Argentina, who, as you say, haven't been past the quarterfinals since uh, since they last lost a final in 1990. For me, I think the most interesting thing about this run is that it was just completely surprising how it how it uh, unravelled, how mm. everything how everything went down, because everyone before the tournament was saying right. Argentina, maybe they're one of the favourites, maybe not. It helps that they're in Brazil and obviously they've got such a good attack. They've got Messi, they've got Iguain, Di Maria, Aguero. But if it's going to go wrong for them, it's going to be because their defence is shit, Romero is shit, Rojo is shit, um, all of this. And, you know, saying at the back they're going to get found out by the big teams. And in the end it was the complete, the complete opposite. They had, I would say, 
the best defence in the World Cup, if that's not too controversial a point. I think Costa Rica might have a shout. <laughs> right. best, no, best goalkeeper. Best goalkeeper for Costa Rica. Oh, yeah, the Costa, Costa Rica's defence as a whole did a very good job. Yeah, it was very strong. Uh, but no, certainly yeah. Argentina in the top sort of two or three yeah. of that discussion. You saw um, Rocco come out as, you know, he went from a much derided figure, someone that no one really had any faith in, to now being dubbed as one of the you know one of the up and coming defenders in European football and I saw even now that there were some links with Real Madrid of course because Real Madrid have to be linked with every quality South American that comes across. Liverpool uh, and Chelsea. We're obliged Chelsea, to mention the course. English clubs so yes. that we can try and get some listeners on board from them. Romero as well, I'm sure that he'll either be first choice in Monaco or he's gonna or he's gonna go go somewhere else this summer, winter of course here. Yeah. Hmm. And on the other hand you can say the midfield was brilliant um, with Machirano and Bilio when those two got hold of the game they they did very well you know giving extra stability to the defence I think a lot of the strength they had in defence was down to them too and then on the other hand the attack it was a disappointment there's no other way to, to say it we had injuries of, of course that, that didn't help but for a team that has those four megastars in attack to score so few goals and really failed to dominate any game it's, it's got to be disappointing and you wonder well you know could it have been a little bit better for Argentina you actually get to see um, <clears throat> something for us for Argentinians um, actually like a shocking point is that many tendencies we, we used to see in the in the previous World Cups regarding gameplay were like reversed mm-hmm. for example Maybe in 2006 and 2010, we saw uh, we, we saw teams that attacked heavily but defended poorly. Now we saw a team that was m- much more uh, solid defensively but uh, didn't attack so much. The Players, parallel I heard most was with 1990. I think everyone thought that the team before was going to be like 1986 with Messi, but it was really 1990 all over again, right? <laughs> Well, you you can actually see that uh, if you if you think it over, you'll see that Maradona was a very different player in a very different time than Messi. Another, <clears throat> and I think that for most Argentinians, uh, that difference uh, or that comparison has been settled. You you from now on, I don't think that no one will compare Messi to Maradona onwards. We can only hope. Um, but it's not it's not necessarily because Messi is better or worse than Maradona because it's it's not like that. It it is because Messi in the end and it and through this World Cup it has been established that he plays differently and he has different moments, different attitudes and uh, different uh, a different lifestyle than Maradona had. Um, and as uh, as well as uh, as like Dan said, um, players that you basically didn't give a dime for before the World Cup uh, turned out to play really, really well and really stepped up their game. Um, and Mascherano, well, basically, he, he confirmed everything that we have had been thinking of uh, of him before this this World Cup. He really came on to be the captain that, that the team would probably need for the, for the next World Cup. But that, that's something I, I won't understand. I, I don't, and I won't ever, never, I will never understand. Which is to compare. Play, I, I don't know. Perhaps we have to compare. Man, there was a, there was another another Mascherano before. That's why Mascherano is not the same as other player or mm-hmm. 
I know better, better or worse than other players. And Messi, of course, there, uh, that uh, if you have to compare uh, with some someone is with Maradona, but mm -hmm. I don't know why uh, most uh, people here in, the, in this country have to compare and not to enjoy, because of course you enjoy Messi, but as soon as he uh, wastes a, a, a goal a opportunity, there is a Maradona that w was better than him and if he scores well there is no no discussion but he's all all the time being uh, tested and, and that's not good for for him and for for the the, the people that uh, or, or or they they, they are uh, thinking that you have to be the best or or, or you are a, a donkey or uh, the other way around like 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 it happened here which is To going to celebrate that you lost because of course we 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 we, we were uh, sub sub champions the we were the seconds uh, and we won a lot of matches to get to the final mm -hmm. but uh, other times it was more like uh, you lost you are you are a, a disaster and now there was completely the, the, the other yeah, way it, and it went uh, and it wasn't went that way as well for for the rebel, rebels we had for the for the world cup you, you see why when i was telling you that the this the situation the sensation compared to the previous world cups was for example against so-called no uh, small teams or not so known teams like the ones we had in the in the group phase Um, we had expected to we, we expected to win uh, to beat them or with a with a bigger margin and we didn't get to and when we finally faced teams that were actually in the in, in the capacity of basically stomping over, all over us as Germany did a, a few a few times they were not so uh, they, they they didn't find it so easy to stomp over us like they did before. Mm. And as for what you said, um, think it like this: It's not fair, basically, to compare a player with another player or a squad, this squad against another squad. But it's always going to happen. But it's it's, it's going it's going to happen. And for example, you find yourself in a situation where you're in a World Cup final against the same rival you you already faced twice. Yeah. One one person that is possible to compare Lionel Messi to is Lionel Messi. Um, We have, I think it's difficult to deny uh, that he hasn't looked quite the same for, for the last year or so, really, throughout last season. Uh, there was a, an article in El País, I believe, of Spain, just before the World Cup, which suggested, which we mentioned on Handapod, which suggested that uh, Messi had, had fallen out with Barcelona's board and, and was sort of almost playing, in Spanish you'd say, a media máquina, not putting in full effort for most of the matches and was only turning up for the Classicals against Real Madrid um, in order to try and prove a point to, to Barca's board that he could still do it when he wanted to. And the feeling was that he was going to be able to turn it back on in, in, in the World Cup. And he was very good in the World Cup. Hmm. For all the discussion that he didn't deserve the Golden Ball, and I don't think any of us here would suggest that he did deserve the Golden Ball, uh, he was very good. He was very effective. Um, when he was going forward, he was one of the most effective passers in the competition and was, was making far more attacking passes than, than most of the people who were uh, his rivals in, in all that kind of stuff. He scored goals, which, I mean, frankly, without his goals, Argentina would have gone out in the group stage. Uh, the struggles in attack were that bad. But 
he doesn't look like the Lionel Messi of sort of two or three years ago. He, he's not chasing down opponents like he used to. He doesn't look as hungry. He, he was never a big guy for, for running around off the ball and, and herring about or anything. He, he was always into conserving energy. Um, but he just doesn't look quite himself to me. But I, I, I saw him. I saw him going to the floor to the floor to to uh, rec- uh, get the ball against. I don't know if it was uh, uh, Fellaini was clearly against Bel- Belgium that mm. that he uh, tried to help uh, each other uh, help the the, uh, the team to 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 get the ball uh, when they lost it. He certainly had moments. He did the same thing during the first twenty twenty five minutes against Germany as well in the final. Um, and I think he'd obviously been told. I think the team as a whole had been told to close down slightly higher at the pitch early on in that match, um, to not allow Germany to settle on the ball and to get into their rhythm early on. Um, but it's more of just a general thing, and having watched him throughout the season as well. To be fair, though, can you really expect anyone to keep up the same level of form as Messi did two years ago, which possibly will go down as the best season no, ever course. seen from a footballer in history? Like, of course not. And it's, he's it's, playing it's also worth. You know, if it was any other player, we'd say, oof. What machine he's scoring forty goals a season? He scored four goals in the World Cup. Absolutely, maybe I mean, it, it was that, that season's last, last season. Just need to lower expectations. He's a human being. Last season at club level was forty nine matches and forty one goals, and by anybody else's standards, that is yeah. astonishing. Um, but, but it is <laughs> all the same. It, it, it is, yeah, but all the same, it is, it's quite a, a, a drop off. And I, I, I'm, I'm not wanted to, to criticise him. I, I'm just wondering whether. There's a reason for this. Whether it's there's been a lot of talk about psychological or physical problems that he's had. Um, no. about whether he found the pressure of the he's, World Cup too much. He has some stomach problems. Because I know he threw up again against Germany. Mm. Yes, it's yeah. it's every match. He he. There is a time in which he uh, mm. throws up, uh, and uh, but the the critics are because the how big how we. How sorry? How big he must be to be criticized when he doesn't score uh, three goals per match? Mm. Because uh, for other players, the the, the demand of of uh, uh, performance is much. Uh, uh, it's it's not that uh, <coughs> the, the one that uh, that happens with him. So uh, in the World Cup as well, he had a very special case, which was that. In every single game, perhaps uh, except in the final against Germany, I think he never had less than two men on him, and sometimes three or four. Yeah, and that's true. It's hard, you know, especially Arguably in this Argentina team. Against Belgium, he, he yeah. basically ran the first half of the match, and they should have and been then, three yeah. and a half at half time. Exactly. And the pro- I think the problem was obviously Messi is Messi. He's used to being marked um, horrifically, marked. Um, with close attention but if he didn't look as good it's because the Argentina team as a whole wasn't working up front and they weren't the working injuries, especially when Di yeah. Maria went out uh, those two last games was, you could see the spark were, was out of the team it was just all a messy to create something and he did look at Germany how many chances he created um, but Argentina let's not forget they had three brilliant brilliant chances to um, to win that game, or mm. at least uh, at least to score and go up, and I think I can't remember exactly, but if I was a betting man, I'd say that most of them were um, originated at Messi's feet. I think we had there was the one that Messi missed, 
very very narrowly yeah um, there was the one that Higuain got put through from I can't remember who uh, Tony Cross Tony Cross just headed back um, and yeah there were a couple Palacio. others that, that Messi set up I think for Palacio Palacio was Messi's I think someone else maybe sure. Lovetsu or Aguero I can't remember um, but the, the other issue of course was, was that uh, a, a goal that was correctly disallowed also uh, yeah. by, scored by Higuain which was who was uh, clearly in upside uh, but we celebrated it again all the same right <laughs> yes, yes because as the, a country the, the, the commentator uh, shouted out the goal as it, <laughs> it was and disallowed and we all uh, felt very bad after that uh, yeah it seemed to take my um, I was watching at my girlfriend's flat and the bloke across the avenue from us he seemed to take about a minute to realise that it hadn't counted he was screaming his head off it was hilarious I think I took about a minute as well yeah um of course, one of the things that, that's, that's not helped, as, as you hint, is the, the poor form of, of the attack. And Gonzalo Higuain and Sergio Aguero um, both went into the tournament injured. Aguero got injured again during the tournament and then came back in the final. That was a peculiar change, wasn't it, from Alejandro Sabella? He, he said afterwards, at the time, the television um, journalist down near the bench said that Lavezzi was, was exhausted, which seems a bit weird at half-time. Um, <laughs> And, and that it was a change because of that. But then afterwards, Sabella said it was a tactical change and they wanted to vary the 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 method of attacking a bit, which seemed very bizarre, given yeah. that they were having so much uh, success. I think he, he was tired because of the previous... Uh, uh, perhaps he, was, he has been exhausted before, and, and, and that 40, those 45 minutes which were... Uh, yes, run, run by, by him uh, in, in a... In a uh, uh, he, he ran a lot in that uh, 45 minutes because he was uh, demanded, demanded to ask to do the defensive uh, task and apart from that he was good in order to uh, start the, the, the attacks. Yeah, yeah but, but the thing is that Sabella himself said after the match that it was a tactical change which just seemed bizarre, odd. Sabella obviously one of the things that we admired him for earlier in the tournament was was he admitted that he got the the tactics wrong in the first half of Bosnia Herzegovina. Yes, and and which was also also strange was the 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 way he said that he wanted to be uh, the team to be a bit more offensive Mm. when things were okay being in an offensive plan. Yeah, and also when Sergio Aguero had been shit for the entire World Cup when he had played. I mean, why on earth did he think was he was, that was going to change having not played for a week and a half? And Has no one it? put forward the theory that it was a late revenge for uh, the squirting incident? <laughs> he had already admitted that yeah. sometimes he makes mistakes. So yeah. in this case, perhaps it was another one. I think it was revenge. Doubtful, but I, I think he didn't actually he, measure. He got revenge at the, the press conference though, right? With, with Christina when they got back. <laughs> he I asked him to that. squirt him again. I don't see how that's revenge. <laughs> I would have squared him if they're I taking the piss out of him yeah. I think the kitch is the kitch is that there, there, there are a lot of people uh, putting a question mark to the style of play uh, and, and as soon as as Di Maria as soon as Aguero and Iwain was already uh, uh, still a bit not in, a, in his best at his best physical form because of a previous injury mm. he had to like Build another team, and that team was uh, more likely to, to to his taste, which yeah. is um, uh, to to shape it from the defense and then to attack if we can. Yeah, and and I think that as well as that, after he built that other team, he then had to dismantle that again with Di Maria's injury, with Gago's poor form as well. 
um, there was so much changing happening around, and I think that that's one of the things that that Argentines seem to be happy about with this team, right? Is, is that they showed a real versatility and the, the team spirit that allowed them to come together. And most Argentines who I've spoken to, at least who I've who I've read, um, seem to realise the difficulties that, that Sabella had with this this side. Yeah, that everything didn't I've, go to plan yeah. when they got. I don't to think it. I've heard anyone who said, "Oh, what a load of shit!" Like, yeah, and that is Sabella. You don't, you know, you, you don't. No, there, there know, were plenty of people saying that before the tournament, and there yeah, are not so many. And that after the group stage, let's say, but yeah. Um, and we should mention as well some of the more surprising uh, people. We, obviously, us, we on hand of pod all said, I think, before the tournament, or I said it, and everybody agreed that uh, Sergio Romero was was a decent goalkeeper, and that. Uh, Although well, he comes it was understandable, there's never any doubt about it. <laughs> Who's ever heard of a, an ordinary player coming up through the racing ranks? Um, <laughs> although, although it was understandable that people were asking for Willie Cavachero, well, no, we have faith in Romero, and, and that was shown right. And but the real surprise, right, is Marcos Rojo, who even we were convinced was drafted. I always have faith in Rojo as well. I've always Did thought, you, yeah. You kept quiet about it, don't you? No, I've said to, to many people over the years, I've never quite understood the, the vitriol that he's attracted. I thought. He's not uh, Roberto Carlos, he's not someone like that, but he's a solid enough left-back who needs to work on his crossing a lot, but it, he's, I've never seen him do anything terrible in the Argentina shirt. Oh, okay. Man, Nothing and, great either. And also <laughs> Basanta, this World Cup. Oh, this World Cup. <laughs> also Basanta, whose who's only complete match against... Uh, Bolivia, yeah. Yes, no, but I mean in this World, World Cup, Cup uh, against the one that, uh, Switzerland. Was before, so it was against Switzerland, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, or Belgium. Belgium, I think. Belgium. Oh, yeah, Switzerland. Belgium, yeah, Spain yeah. In Switzerland, yeah. uh, Belgium. He came into the pitch against mm. Switzerland and he played a complete game against Belgium. That complete game made him being wanted by Fiorentina. So we can see how some players uh, take took advantage of the need to mention Demichelis as well, right? Yeah, no, Demichelis. Yes, this probably the only real surprise of the whole squad when he came in because I certainly didn't see it coming, not from a million miles away. No. And I thought, oh, Christ, what's he, this clown doing in there? And he came in and... Was it against Belgium? Uh, yes. yes, it was, yeah. And he completely changed the defence. It was a much stronger unit and he played fantastic. He in a way, it was stronger purely by the absence of Federico Fernandes, who was well, yeah. a dreadful... wasn't very dreadful difficult to play. Plus, Bilia came, coming in, of course, for yeah. the double five. And up anyway, I want to say that it wasn't very difficult to play better, better no, than Fernandes Federico Fernandes. But really he, he gave the, the, not only the defence, but the team a, like a, a smooth, a, something that is... The confidence uh, yeah. to the to the other players, uh, like saying, "Give me the ball," and and be, and, and and he shouted the other uh, the, the other players the his defense uh, the, the other yes the other players from the defense uh, saying them well go go here give me the ball and, and and that which is also very very useful and Federico Fernandez who who was a lack of confidence. Couldn't, uh, couldn't do, mm. uh, and the ones that say that uh, Argentina not didn't play very 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 well, uh, well, uh, uh, there weren't there there weren't so many creative midfielders. Mm. For example, mm. uh, uh, Argentina doesn't have a Philip Lam, doesn't have a Tony Cross, doesn't have a. Perhaps he has. Uh, they have a Schweinsteiger, like Macharano is a kind of Schweinsteiger, mm. but from Argentina. 
so we don't have that uh, players to uh, have uh, that the possession that Germany had, for But example. Do you not have them, or do you not have them in the squad? That's another question. Mm. At, at times, it was when when the squad was named. I think we all defended it. Um, but the way that the World Cup ended up going, and, and particularly with so many op opposing sides closing down Messi so much, leaving space in behind Messi, which Argentina weren't able to exploit. They didn't have the, the runners from midfield. Um, and although I don't think, I, I think for instance that uh, Javier Pastore's international career has kind of plateaued. For instance, he's never quite hit the the heights that he promised to. Somebody like him running on from from midfield. <laughs> Told him that, isn't he? No, he was 20 oh, in yes. 2010, I remember. No, my word. Okay. He's got time still. Oh, well. Yeah, okay, I, I might yeah. take it back. But somebody like him running on from midfield. Yeah. Or Lamela, let's say. Or for, possibly uh, Lamela, yeah, although after the season he's just had. Possibly. But that, that kind of player, at least. Yeah, someone with. To get into with, the space with that's the passing ability and also a bit of explosion. Yeah. Yes, okay, of, of course, Lamela in a, very, in a good level and, and having. I think we can all agree Lamela probably shouldn't have been the because But that kind of player. They expected that from Gago, and Gago didn't do that. But why did they expect it from Gago? No, it, it was never going to come from Gago. He can pass, but he was never going to break forward. Enzo Perez ended up doing that more than Gago. Mm. Yeah. Say. But Enzo Perez isn't a Di Maria, he isn't a Lamela, he isn't a Pastore. He's a very good central midfielder, a wide midfielder who can get forward. It's not quite the same. He doesn't have that kind of game-breaking ability either. So. Yeah. Yes, Pastoria, Pastoria and Lamela at a good level with no injuries, no, no, not suffering injuries and, 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 and having activity in their, at their clubs. For example, Lamela was, was injured most of the time and didn't play a lot of minutes in, in, at Tottenham. And, and that's something, of course, that uh, I think that if he uh, if situation was another, perhaps he, he would have been... Uh, including to at least the list of 30 players, mm -hmm. uh, uh, but you have to to have them in a in a whole month like happens. The only the only uh, uh, time that you have the 23 players with you to to uh, work uh, in a long period of time is before the World Cup, and if, if you ha you can work them uh, with the the other players and, and build the team. To have the possession of the ball, perhaps uh, things are different. But in this case, uh, Sabella had was clear about the, the 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 way that they wanted the team to play, and he could do it. Uh, unluckily, because of the of the of the injuries of of, of the four the, the cuatro fantásticos as they were named here. One great virtue of Sabella as well, which is something we probably haven't had in Argentina for a long time, is if you look at the team from the first three or four qualifying games in 2011 and the team that started the World Cup there weren't that many changes so at least this time you had at least some consistency going through you know you got the feeling it was a process starting in 2011 with the qualifying going through obviously some players are going to stay some players are going to change but it was more or less going from the Colombia game when they come they come back from 1-0 down to win 2-1 it was the same process the same names were at least designed to be there, you know, injuries are another thing, but I think that made a difference as well, and I think that explains a lot why Argentina got so far. The players mm. knew each other, they were more united than, say, in 2010, and they knew how they were going to play, and, and that's, and that's, that's a virtue of, of, the, 
of the coach. And it's not, it's not as much as of what we were saying about Romero before the tournament was even if you think there are better goalkeepers, Romero yeah. fits in with the group, I think. He, yeah, no other goalkeeper team. knew Ethos. how his team were going to play, how his defence were going to play. I like Romero because he's so unorthodox. Like, he does nothing like a normal keeper should do. It's all very awkward, very weird, but it seems to work alright. And luckily the paper he had when he had to to save the, the, the penalties mm. wasn't a, a guide on how the, the Netherlands players uh, shot, but it was a message from his wife, I think. Like a love message. Oh, uh, really? Yes. Save, save these penalties and you get your free way with your free <laughs> Remember the <laughs> I'd say I'd all of them for as, that. As, <coughs> as I heard, it was a message that uh, both gave the other, the other uh, his wife, gave him and him he, he gave to his wife when they are they were in a difficult situation they had to read that paper which was like a, a like a like a encouragement like something like that I think you need to stop now and rest around and vomit <laughs> well, if Mascherano has grabbed me before uh, before going to the penalties, like he did yeah. with, with Romero, I will I would probably be rocky by now. But yeah. uh, you're going to achieve well, please. <laughs> All right, I'm going to the UN. Yes, Mascherano is is uh, one that we should mention as well for that that moment partly in uh, in, in the kind of Chuck Norris style job <laughs> that started happening after the semi final victory. Um, any favourites for for each of us? I can't remember any of them off the top of my head now. My favourite was. Machirano doesn't do press-ups, he moves the earth with his arms. And, and I saw a photo, photograph of him with the, the real president saying, here is the president of Argentina with Cristina Fernández de Kirchner. <laughs> well, I saw, I saw one that said Machirano goes into Almirante Brown with a Morón shirt. <laughs> so there, was, there was a photograph that, that I saw on Facebook on the day of the final saying that... Um, Javier Mascherano says that this Chino, this uh, little neighbourhood independent supermarket, uh, should should close to watch the World Cup final. And at three thirty this afternoon, Carrefour is going to close. <laughs> there were there were plenty of them. Have a look at Mascher facts on Twitter. Um, mm. What next? What next? Next, I think is uh, we we've mentioned <coughs> we've talked about Argentina and, and Germany. Very different styles of play. Uh, I think we can all agree that Germany deserved winners. Yes, yes. Yeah. I think uh, pretty much everybody seems to. Um, and one thing that I, I wanted to ask was whether Argentine football, traditionally and particularly in the last couple of decades, has always been very based around the number ten, the hero. Maradona didn't help this because he actually did it and dragged them all the way to the World Cup in '86 and then back to the final in 1990 and pretty much epitomised this whole ethos that was already growing up before he even started playing. Um, and then he, he manifested it himself. And I wonder whether Argentina um, had a bit of a problem this, this time around because football has moved on in, in the last three decades. It's not the same now as it was in 1986. Um, and Germany, it was very notable. And I, it really occurred to me when I had to do a... a preview for ESPN FC of, of the final um, in which we uh, the same questions were sent to the correspondents from both nations um, and we were asked to name the opposing team's danger man naming the danger man for Argentina is extremely easy because <laughs> Italy and El Messi naming the danger man for Germany is, is rather more difficult I, I sort of trying to pin it down to just one um, is, is a pretty tricky 
um, scenario. And I wonder whether Argentina would benefit Argentine football generally, and it's obviously not something that's going to happen between now and the next World Cup, even it's a much longer process, but would benefit from a little bit less individualism. It's something that Argentine football's never really gone away from, right, ever since the 1900s, 1910s. For me, that's this idea of MP little, yeah. For me, that's a little unfair on Argentina because they didn't really have one danger man going into this World Cup. They had four. The problem was but if you shut down Messi, you swap the rest of the team. The the team was set up around Messi playing as well as he could. But then we, I think, and, and also I'm not talking just about yeah. this team. I'm talking about Argentine football. Yeah, of course, half. it's always been. If not Messi, then Raquelme. If not Raquelme, then Batistuta. If not Batistuta, then Maradona. If not Maradona, whoever came this way. Yeah, we've had, we've had had squads before that um, maybe relied on three or four people, but we have never had one one system that didn't fully rely at least on four individuals like the Germans do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can. You can take someone out in the German squad and they still play. They play with only one striker, so it doesn't matter mm. if you, they put one or two. It's the same. The well, same that's, that's happened on the day of the final. Uh, got, it was Kadira who got injured, wasn't it? Yeah. And replaced yeah. by Kramer, who then obviously yeah, got injured horribly. And it didn't seem to make um, any difference. Uh, and, and he had to be replaced. And the team played exactly the same anyway. And, and, but, and he was replaced not by Kadira, but by Schurle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they played the same way in 2010. Yeah, it was the same way. So, looking to the next World Cup now, uh, aside from questions about whether Argentine football as a whole should move away from individualism a bit, looking to the next World Cup, who is Argentina's danger man next time round? And also, at the time of recording, this this could have changed for all we know by the time I managed to upload this, but I don't think it will have done. Um, But certainly at the time of recording, we don't know whether Alejandro Saavedra is going to be the manager still or not. Next week, next year, in four years' time. I'm just going to let you pour that down. Thanks, sir. For me, it's kind of difficult to think about this, especially if we're trying to create something like what Germany has what they can take advantage of because I think we can agree that it's not going to happen in quite no. the way that if only as well because most of the German side play their club football in exactly. Germany yeah that's my point which is a massive yeah. advantage for European nations who, who can mm-hmm. okay for England it's maybe a disadvantage <laughs> you can look at it either way um, but certainly having a, a high concentration of your local players playing in one or two clubs in very strong clubs in a very strong league well, the um, core of that Germany team is by Munich mm-hmm. from the goalkeeper up to the they created midfield. They all play the same game in their club as they play play in the nation, and that's a massive. You know, it's like Messi playing with Xavi and Iniesta, Busquets, uh, Macherano, and Schurl plays and Dani Alves in Argentina. Yeah. That that Argentina team would be the best team in the world, not because of the quality, but because they For play the exactly like Argentina, yeah, yeah. Uh, like Barcelona. Sorry. So this, you know, this Germany team, I think we can probably all agree, is a freak generation both in Bayern Munich and in Germany. They're going to have brilliant, brilliant success, but I don't, well, I it can't is, see it being repeated in another generation in another country. It is a freak generation and it isn't a freak generation because A, it, it, four years ago Spain were in a very similar situation, but also Germany have always had their strongest players traditionally playing in Germany with one or two exceptions Ben Schuster obviously went to Barcelona and Real Madrid for example um, 
and have reached... They've played in the last 18 World Cups in a row. Do you know how many times in those 18 World Cups they've reached at least the last eight? I won't say quarter-final, because not all of them have had a quarter-final stage. 16. 17. With the last 16 of those being consecutive. Yeah, they're always going to be... It's insane. They're always going to be there or thereabouts, but let's not forget, for all that, the last time they were in a final before this was the same as Argentina yeah. in 1990. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... Well, uh, international football's like that. No, it wasn't. 2002. 2002, right. There you go. Well, it is said that Germany, for one way or an, one way or another, they, they always get the final rounds. Uh, one way or another... No matter the place, the players they have, the manager, or whatever, uh, and they have a, something which is very healthy. It is healthy, which is about the manager. That is that the the assistant of the of the general of the of the uh, uh, coach that is now will be the next coach. It happened. Uh, we we could we could see it. Klinsmann to love. Yes, love yeah. with Klinsmann mm. and and well. And, and it happened uh, uh, before also, mm-hmm. uh, which is which is key in order to know the players you have and the idea you want to to to, to put in the, the in the, in the games. Uh, no, Argentina aren't going to do this. Mm-hmm. No, um, it's not going to happen. Probably, I think at this point it looks like Savela is going to be convinced to stay at least until the end of the 2015 Copa America. Um, have, they have uh, Argentina has to play incredibly against. Germany, yeah, in the 3rd of September in Dusseldorf and against Brazil in October in China. Uh, and it was not confirmed, but it is said that he will be a, 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 the coach in that, during those uh, friendlies. And we have to see, to, to confirm whether he will be or not uh, the coach uh, during the Copa America in Chile next year. That's with Sabela. You can't fault his coaching record whatsoever. I mean, no. for competitions no. played, it's, he's got to be the best coach ever to live. He came into Estudiantes in 2009. In six months, he had a couple of Libertadores. He left a year later with um, with a league title to it, under his belt. And now he goes into Argentina for his second job in coaching. And he's a World Cup finalist. I think in any other country, he'd be held as some sort of genius, like hmm. King Midas, basically. But, oh, plus there's another thing to take into account here. If Savela does step step aside, this is good what I was bad. going to, uh, to say about the, yeah. the idea of an Argentine Germany style project and continuity. No, the next person to come in most likely would be Gerardo Martino, which so would be completely turning it back I to say zero it, and, and starting again. I would say completely. Worse. Um, because let's not forget that okay, Gerardo Martino we saw him at close quarters here at Newell's uh, first half of last year it seems like far yeah. longer ago than that doesn't it um, and, and he did a very good job but um, he's capable of constructing a defence as well as, as anybody who witnessed uh, Paraguay in the flesh during the last Copa America as both you and I did Dan um, yeah, will, but will attest. style-wise, uh, mentality-wise, it's a, com- it's a completely different coach. Yeah, and I, but I just wonder whether, if one thinks that Sabella should should stand down, and personally I don't. But, I haven't heard any if, if real cause for this. If Sabella no, did stand from Sabella's side, it seems he's Asian. And well, apart from his agent, exactly, who, yeah. who said... That I don't know if he's angry for a pay rise or... No, his, his agent went on the radio a few days before the final and yeah. said he's going to step down after the final regardless of the result. And apparently Sabella was very pissed off with his agent for saying so. Um, and it now doesn't appear to have been the case. But um, 
I just think Gerardo Martino would be, for me, an interesting kind of evolution in the start because he's still capable of, of putting together a very good defence. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. But has a few more ideas than Sabella going forward. I, I wondered at times whether Sabella, having had such enormous success with the Estudiantes at the Copa Libertadores and, of course, taking Barcelona so close in the World Club Championship final, um, kind of does better when he's managing the smaller side and he knows how mm. to frustrate the side that he knows are going to come onto them. And it really showed, fantastic example was the first half against Germany, when yeah. Germany had something like 70% of the possession. But the best chances were falling But Argentina, Argentina had the best chances. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. That was how Argentina wanted to play the entire tournament, and it's yeah. no, no coincidence that they looked best against Nigeria. Okay, they considered two goals, but they scored three and they looked fluid. Against Belgium, who made no attempt whatsoever to, to triple mark Messi after the match and was stupid enough to actually go tri- and try and attack Argentina. Against the Netherlands, they, they, they looked good, but in a different way. It was just a very good semi final performance and a very tight match. Um, and then against Germany again when Germany came forward at them and Argentina were able to find those spaces in the first half I don't think it's a coincidence that they looked best and most convincing when the opposition were trying to attack them no, not and when they left holes in behind and that was the same with Passarella as a coach as well he always tried to do that he mm. liked to help Nicano and you know, Savela was assistant for uh, Passarella for Christ knows how many years so he picked up something from there well if the, if, if the question was continuity between coach, coaches we would have to go with a uh, with Bielsa and then Martino, then probably mm-hmm. for the for for the type of play of yeah. uh, of gameplay they lead and the way they coach the, their teams. Mm-hmm. Um, and regarding Sabella, it's 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 odd, but uh, you know you actually know why, but you don't want to recognize it. It is because basically the the, the position as Argentina coach, not so much for the work he has done, but for the the thing he has he has uh, endured. In the position is that everything around the job itself is too consuming, and it happens to to Bielsa the same way. He was a great coach he, who didn't have good results for a, for a good run for a while, and when when he actually got uh, to the form he wanted, to the team he wanted, he resigned because he was basically too tired to to go on. Well, if you watch the press conference that Sabella gave uh, when he was the when he he took the, the, the manager uh, job Position. of Argentine national team, he he appeared like he was 10 years younger, not three, uh, because he took the, the charge uh, after the Copa America, Copa America of 2011, and, and he was like, it was like he was 30 years, and now he has 50, more or less. Yeah, it's quite bizarre, because... Dan and I, coming from in, entre comillas, in, in inverted commas, I would like to say, the first world, um, are, are more used to seeing that kind of uh, uh, parallel drawn with heads of state. You see photographs of President Obama when he took charge in the, at the end of his first term, or photographs of whoever happens to be the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom at the time, when they take charge at the end of their first term, and they've aged like 20 years or something. In Argentina, the President now looks more or less the same as she did at the, la- at the beginning of her last term. But the manager of the national football team. But, they, they, uh, but the manager here in Argentina is just as important as the president. Yeah, but <laughs> sometimes that's, that's more. Exactly my point. But the president now uh, of Argentina is a woman, and he does lots of treatments <coughs> in order to to appear uh, like you. None of us said that. Andres Brookner said that. If you're listening, Christina. Yeah. Don't well, I don't think there's any real debate about that. <laughs> 
No, I don't think there is. Um, I'm just trying to bring up uh, Savela's stats so far, obviously. Uh, as we say, I, I very strongly suspect that he's going to be taught into keeping the job, so this is not supposed to be a, a, a rest in peace kind of... Um, well, one message. I can throw off the top of my head is that I believe this, on Sunday, it was his first defeat against European opposition. Yes, it was. It was also, I mean, I've got the, the, the numbers of, basically, he's managed 41 matches for Argentina and he's lost five, uh, of which the Uruguay World Cup qualifier didn't matter for Argentina and was with basically a second string squad. And at least one of the other defeats was in the Super Classical de las Americas, which of course FIFA count is a full international match. Yeah. And then a couple of friendlies. Um, a friendly against Japan, maybe? Again, in jury, I, I think remember. a, a friendly... No, there, there, I think there were a couple of defeats against Brazil, but one was a, a friendly defeat yeah. with the full squad and the other was a friendly oh, defeat yeah. with the, the local selection. Um, but one thing that's telling is that this, this table on Wikipedia of, of all of the managers gives you a, a percentage um, of wins, and Sabella is the first... Um, uh, sorry, percentage of, of points won, and Sabella and Bielsa are the only managers this... Um, Century is the word that I'm looking for to get over 72%. Bizarrely, Diego Maradona um, is the third best manager of Argentina this century with 72% no, of points. Maradona is better than Sabella. <laughs> oh, he is, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Because of Sabella's defeat in a World Cup final, though, which is something Maradona never got to experience. Plus, Maradona didn't have a single um, draw. I respect that. No. <laughs> Eight, 18 wins and six. No, well, so comparing. Savela's managed 16 more, um, but I, I was comparing it because when I was putting together my Argentina all-time 11 for ESPN FC, I chose as manager Guillermo Stabile, who managed 127 matches and who won more oh matches God. than any other Argentina manager has been in charge for, apart from Menotti, who was in charge but for But before Maradona, there were... Sabella's, uh, sorry to keep yes. talking, Andres, but Sabella's um, points one record, like Maradona's bizarrely and Bielsa's slightly less bizarrely, is better than either Menotti's or Bilandos. Villanos um, is really poor. Villanos is very poor, yeah. So then he, got to, he won a World Cup and then got to the final an hour. Because he hung around for such a long time. I think the same, the same with Stabile. Right? Stabile only lost 21 games in 127 games, but loads of those were in the last kind of five to six years of a 20-year-long reign at the very end of that cycle when he was knackered and when the players were not as good as the players he'd taken over in the 40s when there were no World Cups to manage and all the rest of it. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's surprising. That Sabella basically is, is right up there with the best man, the best Argentina manager alongside Maradona, time. Yeah. alongside Diego Maradona, <laughs> <laughs> oh, who, who managed who managed to concede thirty one goals in twenty five games to Sabella's thirty three conceded in forty one games. Yeah, yeah. Um, so indeed, there we go. Um, next players. No, actually, next for, for one second to give the listeners a bit of a break because we've been recording for forty seven minutes. Um, we are going to just play some music and we shall be back immediately after this break. I'm going to have a very brief discussion about how we think the Argentina squad might look in four years' time because um, the Argentina squad in 2014 had the oldest average age of any squad at the World Cup, believe it or not. Um, 
numerous players, Martin Demichelis being one, so numerous key players. Um, Demichelis is one. Uh, Mascherano, to some extent, he's, he's 30 years old, he's going to be 34 at the next World Cup. He'll be there. He'll, he probably will be there, I agree, but he won't be able to be quite as dynamic as he was mm, in this one. Um, and various others are, are going to be into the twilight of their careers. Um, Demichelis might not even be playing anymore in four years' time. In fact, I'd be frankly slightly surprised if he was, uh, at least outside the Argentine league. Uh, Lionel Messi is going to be 31. How do we think the Argentine squad's going to look in about four years, guys? I'm not, I'm not so much saying just in terms of names, but do you think that one of the questions that we've been asked actually by, by our listeners, I think it's Chris Hartley, um, has tweeted in to ask... Is it Chris Hartley? Let me just check. Yes, it is Chris Hartley. Uh, was this the one shot for this Argentine generation to win the World Cup? And I think it's a legitimate question, given, as I say, that they had the oldest average age of anybody at the tournament. And most of the players... Uh, featured as well. Augusto Fernandes was the only outfield player who didn't get on the pitch at any point during the tournament. Um, what do we think? Well, the key for Argentina is uh, uh, Messi, Di Maria, and arguably, you know, touch wood if he stays fit and there's no injuries, Machirano are going to be at the next World Cup. Mm-hmm. And Garay. That's a base which is as good as any to, to build on. So if those four can keep fit and stay in there like the older heads Agüero as well is there you know you can probably include him when he's when he's on form with those five you've got an excellent base to then bring in a few younger players or also Iguain is going to be 29 yeah Romero's going to be 31 but of course he's a goalkeeper so if anything Mm. he's just going to be coming into his his kind of peak years yeah as we look at it traditionally um, to go in with a team full of 30 rounds would be very surprising so some of them are going to back down so who, who do we see as, as the new blood to come through in, in four years obviously we're all aware and our listeners our regular listeners will be more aware than, than most that in Argentine football particularly four years is an eternity Hand of Pod hasn't even been going for four years I, I, yet I would like and look at the number of young players we've talked about already I would like the parents that go to the to the uh, World Cup with the uh, Major with the uh, main players to have a more active role, not only to be in a, in a training and and, and 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 that and this and this is it. I I would like them to really get the experience of going to World Cup and 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 and, and that translate that into a a, a, a serious job uh, when they go to their clubs after the World Cup. And because if if, if not, it is you you always have to. Be lucky to get another uh, a group of players that uh, have the ability to play for a national team, and, and you have that chance in order to get players that uh, are, are are very very young and have uh, the possibility to go there with, the, with the Messi, with the Wayne, with Aguero, with Di Maria, and learn learn from them how how is this. Of, of playing a, a yeah. such important tournament, and it's interesting you mentioned the Spaniards of fact because of course one of them played in one of the preseason, in one of the friendlies right before the tournament. Yes. He followed uh, I, the example of Machirano. Yes, yes, yes Mamana. Yes. We swear that we're not making this name up. It's Emmanuel Mamana, um, who Manuel made Mamana. his, and in fact he didn't quite follow what Machirano did. Uh, Machirano, of course, famously debuted for Argentina before he played his first first team match for River. Mamana has played a first team match really? for River Plate, but it was a in Copa Argentina. Oh, so, really? okay. Which, of course, is a competition that didn't exist when Mascherano made his Argentina debut. 
the fizzing you can hear is Andres pouring himself to Carla, by the way. This is, uh, it picks up surprisingly loudly on the mic. Um, even though you can't hear it at all without the earphones on that I've got. Uh, but yes, um, so Mamana has, uh, has followed Mascherano's lead in as much as he's played for Argentina before he's played in the league, uh, which is a real, you know, the first team um, stuff for, for River. Um, and I suspect that he's going to be coming through in the next season or so. River, of course, and we're going to preview the stuff from the league uh, in a couple of weeks' time, so we're not going to go into too much of the domestic stuff, but River have named a new manager, Marcelo Gachardo, young, um, up-and-coming, I think very promising manager in my opinion. I don't know about Andres, the other River fan, but I'm not at all unhappy to have Gachardo involved in the club. Um, yes. Very briefly. Yes, yes, I think he has the, the at least the capacity to, to, to uh, be in charge of the real plate, the first team. We yeah. will see if the results... Uh, are with him. Um, um, but the names of the, there are 16 of these, as Andres calls them, and as they're called in Spanish, sparrings. Um, Sparring partners, which yeah. precisely, That's yeah. what they are. Um, so by, by club and by name, they are from River Plate, Augusto Batasha, Tomas Martinez, Juan Caproff, who has played a few a couple of times for the first team, who looks very good, Giovanni Simeone, who of course we know about already, and Mamana. Um, from Boca Juniors, Thiago Casasola and Ivan how the bloody hell do you pronounce that? Le 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 I'm uh, sure it's Leshuk in <laughs> probably in Spanish. Uh, yeah. L E S Z C Z U K. Epolaco. That's his name for the next 10 years. San Lorenzo have sent Rodrigo Contreras. Independiente have sent Rodrigo Moreira and Fabricio Bustos. From Bele Sarsfield, Enrique Sanchez and Nicolas Tripiccio. Or Tripiccio, if you're pronouncing it properly. Uh, Lanus, uh, uh, Joaquin Ibanez, who I think we saw towards the end of the season mm, in the league, I might well, be wrong. Gimnasia yeah. um, Grima La Plata sent Ignacio Juaregui, Juaregui um, who certainly did play for them in the league at some point or other. Racing have sent Mariano Barreiro. Never seen him. I've seen him for the reserves. He looks fairly decent. Excellent. And Nueva Chicago, mm. in with all of those much bigger clubs. Um, well, Lanus maybe would uh, not be much bigger, but uh, certainly bigger. Mm. Um, have said Alejandro Melo, who I think I, is the Chicago guy who I read team. on Twitter today. River and Boca are fighting over him now. River yeah. and San Lorenzo or something. He, no, he played. He played us. Another Melo, right? <coughs> oh, just listen. into Boca. Somebody from Chicago. No, no, no. That's that's a Meli for Boca. Meli. Ah, that's a Meli from Colón. No, no. Alejandro no. Melo so, per, played for the Chicago. first team yeah. of Nueva Chicago that achieved promotion to the National League. Mm. Of course, yeah. You know what would be interesting, started. Sam, with that list in front of us? Mm -hmm. If we go and look for the <coughs> sparrings from 2010, and do a, where are they now? Let's see what we can expect. Bear in mind that those sparrings were the ones called up by Diego Maradona. But yeah, I think they were quite an interesting list. I think they were... There's a Wikipedia for them. There, there we go. And there was only 15, not 16, under Sabe. Esteban Andrada. We know where he is. He's still at Lanús, and he's doing quite well. Yeah. He's only 23 now. Nicolas Batista is uh, now with... That's the same Nicolas Batista who now plays for Argentinos, right? Although he played for San Lorenzo. Chicho's son. Yeah. Check that. Yes, he's yes. with Argentinos now. I've seen him a few times and he's a fairly ordinary defender. <laughs> um, Germán Petzela of River Plate, who's coming into the first team and uh, looking fairly good. Ramiro Funes Mori. Um, ditto. Leandro González Pires, again. River t uh, three River defenders in a row who, who are all looking fairly decent. Um, Nervo, who's looked okay, but not. Yeah, broken kind of broken through into the Arsenal first yeah. team, let's say. Talia Fico, done very well. Talia, is Talia Fico still with Banfield? He's not, mm -hmm. is he? 
Es en España. Vaticano o Samana Dark. Claudio Leandro Chaparro doesn't even have a Wikipedia page, so he can't be doing that one at the age of 23. He did play for San Lorenzo four years ago. I recognise the name, but I can't think of who he plays for now. Santiago Gallucci for River. Gallucci Otero, I think. He's the. This. He has two, two surnames, Calucci Otero, but I, I don't... Uh, Let's have a look. Yep. Yes, well remembered. Oh, we've got our cruise now. Right, that's, that's what we've seen. Um, Michael Oshos, uh, I was supposed to interview him. He was very enthusiastic about being interviewed by me. I've still got his number on my cellular telephone, and he never got back to me. After a studio artist press department said, yes, he really wants to talk to you, I phoned him and he, he never picked up the kid. Um, and then he had other things to think about. Yes, he has had one or two other things to think about. He's lost a brother or a cousin in a car crash or something like no, that. No, he nearly died in that car crash. Of That's why he's basically yeah. not been back since. Yeah. Uh, Luis Farina of Racing has started to break through. Yeah, so much so that he's now in Qatar or... What's he Hmm? He went to Benfica, who then sent him straight out on loan to Qatar. Yeah. But he, he was good. Yeah. And the other, the remaining three, the three strikers, are um, rather differing in uh, what they've done in the last four years. Facundo Ferreira, who was 19 four years ago, is 23 now for Banfield, has moved on to Ukraine. Ukraine. Shakhtar. Yeah, Shakhtar of course, yeah. Via Vélez Southfield, of course, yeah. Yes. It was Vélez, wasn't it? Um, Jonathan Bauman of Colón who was 19 four years ago and it's the same age as Ferreira 23 now and who I don't think I've heard of before he's currently playing for Gimnasia de Jujuy so he's going well um, and Juan Manuel Torbe who at present he was training with Quilmes but didn't have a club four years ago and now is I think he's moving from Atletico Madrid to somebody else or something or from Verona to Atletico or Juventus that's right yeah. no there was, he was linked also to Rome uh, and apparently it's uh, it's closer to Rome that uh, Roma than Juventus. So what we we'll see? Yeah, but if you if you see that list, uh, there were a lot of players that were there sparring. He's gone to Roma. He is the third most expensive player in Roma's history. The new, they're still so calling them calling him the new Messi. They're still calling him the new Messi. I was calling him the new Messi four years ago when which they were talking about all this. Bearing in mind that four years ago he was the mess, he was the age that Messi was when Messi made his Barcelona debut. And Itorbe still hasn't really found a club. Well, he has now. He's with Roma. Uh, is an interesting. There must, there must be a new a new Messi list somewhere. There yes. is a there is a new Maradona. They say he's in. They say he's in Racing. Um, Carlos Valenzuela, the young kid. Yes, in, in twenty years' time, we will see another Messi, perhaps, and we will compare him with Messi. Yes. But Itorbe, or and how I heard, no, Itorbe uh, is not. Shakiri, Shakiri, the Swiss, the Swiss yeah. Messi. Who will be the new Rojo or the new Mascherano? Oh. Um, so how many of these sparrings this year, these, these kids that we've got in front of us from this year, uh, do we think could break through in the next World Cup? I think that more of the question really is, they're more likely to break through in like two World Cups time, right? Because next World Cup, yeah. they're still going to be in their early 20s. This is what we've just learned from reading out the list of, of the last guys. Um, yeah, the better comparison would almost be who out of the 2010 sparrings could be in the 2010, yeah. the 2018 World Cup. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, oh, sorry, right, yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. Um, I'm not going to look them up as well because it would take too long. No, uh, I just did. And, and too much time. 2010. Of course, sorry, yeah. right, yes, I see what you mean. No, but Iturbe, maybe, I didn't think so. Uh, Taliafico could Tariafico. be a shout, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
after that. Andrade, I think, has got a very good chance. Of, Andrade, although there are, as we mentioned many times, several really good goalkeepers. Yeah, there's a very good generation of goalkeepers coming through. Maybe three or four of those defenders actually got a chance, particularly given that defence is an area that Argentina lacks some depth in. Yeah. Um, for Raider, we're going to see how he how he gets on. You know, if he can get out of Ukraine, then that's going to be the key for him. And in terms of other names who haven't been sparrings, I think we'd have to look at some of the guys who who were just excluded from this list by not very much this year. Um, Lisandro Lopez, for example, mm-hmm. the, the centre back. I, I would have thought in four years' time, yeah. if he continues to develop at the rate he's developed in the last two or three years, mm-hmm. he's got to have a good chance, right? Yeah, some definitely. some of them, or some other, yes, Tamendi or Fasio, who, Fasio, who has been excluded. excluded from the of course list of thirty uh, because apparently he has a not very good uh, mood and, mm-hmm. and he, he spoke out against Savela and he kind of buried his faint chances. Of but that. talking about his skills, okay. it's uh, something mm. clearly yeah. Uh, yeah. Some, someone to choose. The thing is that he basically tr- attempted to do the same thing that Caballero did, which, which was to call out on a on a on a. Calling from the from from the first team when when he hadn't been in the whole cycle, mm. and there was no even though he could claim for everything he didn't have a, he didn't really have a chance. Mm. Mm. No, certainly. Um, we have another list of, of other players who might make it. Otamendi is one. Mus- Matteo Musacchio, uh, the former River Plate, who's now with Israel. Israel. Yes, I think so. Although he's supposedly they're talking about him going to Russia, oh, in inverted right. commas, i.e. to get a head start in the World Cup. Club, yeah, uh, yeah he'll be well, uh, well used to the surroundings. Gina Perusi is one that could well, you know, Gina we're talking Perusi about the guys who are on, the, on the margin of of the squad this time. Perusi's got to be there, really. Yeah, uh, and then various midfielders. I would think Gaston Gil Romero, the young Estudiantes. Mm. The guy has got a good chance of, of being one of the deep-sitting midfielders alongside yeah. Javier Mascherano. The, an, another who I think is, I think we've said during the season, is norm, almost certain to play for Argentina for many years to come, uh, is, ha, and I've forgotten his name just as I said that, Kranevita, Matias Kranevita of River Plate. Mascherano's heir at River, but slightly more uh, sort of creative yeah. than Mascherano, more of an old-fashioned number five. Uh, others, uh, Acosta or Campos? Acosta, we're going to see. He hasn't played that much so far, but what I've seen from him, I like him a lot. Acampos, again, I haven't been following him in Monaco, is that right? Yeah. Um, yes. So I can't comment, but. Ocampos he's another guy, you know, he's, he's the kind of player that Argentina have in spades, like these kind of wide based attacking players, you know. There's just thousands of them. Like, mm. Ocampos, okay. the, the problem that has Ocampos is that he appears and disappears and is not constant. But also in a similar position is Gaitan from Benfica. Yes. It's another one who... One guy I, th- I thought he was going to be called at some point, but uh, it's surprising. And basically he has fucked up his whole game was uh, Sanchez Minio. Mm. Yeah. Yes. And, he, yeah and, and we said at the time, in fact, before you joined the podcast, Gustavo... Uh, we said several times that Sanchez Media wanted to play wide left midfield and he wanted to be that, that guy bursting forward and, and putting in the crosses and doing the glamorous stuff yeah. when if he'd just decided to play left back he'd have had a free run into the he'd be in the World Cup the he would have been in the World Cup <coughs> yeah I'm sure um, it, it's ridiculous yeah. up front uh, Itorbe we've said many things about a lot of the time so I'm not going to spend too much time on him for the last four years basically yeah, yeah <laughs> um, Angel Correa 
from San Lorenzo? I think he's going to be there. Yeah. Now he's gone to Atletico, he's got he's under Simeone's <coughs> win. Yeah, if he yeah, even yeah. slightly manages to settle in and, and step his game up, which I think yeah. we all think he will do. Uh, he's still got to play, of course, the semi... No, he's not, has he? Because he's having surgery. So although he was cleared to play the yeah. semi-final of the Coppa Libertadores, which is coming up next week... It's uh, a hard condition, something like that. That's, yeah. Yeah. Something that will be very, very, very good and is not being taken into account, also not taken into account by, by coaches, is to put players that play in the, at the same team in the national team. Mm. Uh, mm. Because they know each other and they can do, of course, not the same to do, it, do, do, do those things in the team than in the national team. But yeah. uh, I, I know if Michalba is... Uh, is uh, good enough to, to, to be called up. But for example, uh, as, an, uh, as an example, right, uh, Correa and Michalba together work very uh, much better than Correa by himself with another player. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is probably one of the stupid, uh, one, of <coughs> one of the stupidest traditions in Argentinian football is that in, if any manager tries to call up two or three players from the same team he's basically tagged as someone who's bringing his own team in mm. they did the same thing with Savela saying that he basically they did it with Savela even though it was very obvious that Savela wasn't going to call those Estudiantes players up for the actual World Cup it was just mm. very short period of time no time to get your ideas across the players call as many players who already know him up as possible so he can put them across mm. with the qualifiers and that was it um, one other name that we need to mention in terms of who might be playing for Argentina in four years time because everybody seems to be including him in the list Dan's included him in his list for Bleacher Report he's included on this uh, Labrador list from uh, a potentially future Hand of Pod contributor Matias Baldo um, is Mauro Icardi he's going to be the best number nine in the world in he's got years. the potential to be the best number nine in the world no, he's, he's got going the ability to be the best. has he got enough yeah. up here in his it head? doesn't matter he's, as he's this clearly guy says he's, an, he's a termo like, long term yes. listeners will know exactly what a cabeza de termo my, is. He's a cabeza de termissimo, but he's going to be the best number nine in the world. Everyone who knows who, who Mauro Riccardi is already knows why Mauro Riccardi's made the headlines. Of course, he stole, so to speak, if women can be treated as possessions, which they shouldn't be, of course. Um, Maxi Thanks Lopez's, for, uh, that. Maxi Lopez's wife, uh, wife or girlfriend? Wife. Wife. Wife, wife. She wife and mother wife. of two, three um, children. From him and has <coughs> continued to be just a complete and total asshole about it on Twitter on an almost daily basis. Um, I saw a brilliant quote during, I think it was during the group stages or maybe just before the World Cup kicked off in the press, in which Wanda said, Mauro Riccardi is more pissed off with Maxi Lopez than Maxi Lopez is with Mauro Riccardi. It might have been from Maxi's current girlfriend or something, in fact. But you were just like, why would Mauro Riccardi be pissed off with Maxi Lopez over this? Mm-hmm. After what happened, I, just, I can't get my head around that at all. Um, in his defence, it appears that they separated, and then Maro got together with one. Oh really? Yeah, it, it wasn't. Um, it was like that. Putting the horns on him. Let's it say. was like that, yeah. and uh, they say that Mauro is basically pissed off because now he's he comes because Maxi mistreated no, her no, and, this and so on. So in but, those terms, he's not helping himself. With no, he's not. He's an idiot. But going from one point <laughs> to having another man's uh, children tattooed on your arm, that's yes. a whole different yeah. thing. Then yeah. we, we get into uncharted territory. Indeed. Um, but he's going to be the best number nine in the world in four years. Uh, as soon as he scores goals, that will get forgotten. Yeah. After the, uh, outside the, the stadium, he can do what he wants. Yeah. And, and the, the, the problem is he, if he's called up and because of the problems he has outside the pitch, 
and he carries that pro those problems into the... But having said that, of course, that's precisely what Sergio Aguero has done this, this World Cup, according to some people. Yes. Some personal problems off the pitch, as well as the injury, of course, which didn't help. Which results in Diego Maradona going on continent-wide television on a nightly basis and slagging him off during the whole of the World Cup. That's not brilliant for your peace of mind, is it? So there are lots of people who are saying that Aguero has allowed his personal life to overtake his, his football during the, just the point where you didn't want to do all that and all that kind of stuff. Um, anyway, we're going to play some music now and then we're going to go really quickly through listeners' questions, um, those which we haven't already answered during the course of the show anyway, so don't go away. Zarkatos asks, general reaction, uh, I, I asked for recommendations of what to talk about uh, beforehand, so he says, general reaction Argentina, I think we've given that already, people are generally happy, right? Yeah. Um, uh, having achieved second place, they're, they're disappointed not to have won the cup, but you realise that it's an, an achievement, right? Because yeah. they're Andres, you know, happy. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be delighted if England got to a World Cup. Oh, final. Jesus. I, did, I, did I don't a, think I'm going to see it in my lifetime, to be honest. No, I, I did a questionnaire um, online today from Libero, the Peruvian magazine, which said, how many World Cups have you got left in your life? Um, that's, that's really depressing. It, uh, it, it depends how that, long you live for. Well, exactly. And, and Libero don't have very much faith that I'm going to live for as long as my grandparents <laughs> did because they uh, believe that I'm going to. The last World Cup I live for is going to be 2066, which of course will be the centenary of England winning it. Is that and taking it, like the Peruvian life expectancy rather than the. English no, no, I told, I told them I was in the UK. <laughs> I told them I was in the UK. Um, and uh, it would not surprise me if England still haven't reached a final by that point. So I'd be delighted. Uh, he also says when well, this ridiculous messy felt the team stuff is getting any play. I think a few idiots are indeed saying yeah, that. Yeah, taxi no drivers. No one else is really taking them seriously. Chris Hartley, we've already mentioned him once, but he asks, having watched the World Cup, in your opinion, why are European teams further ahead than South American teams? For me, in one word, it's because the, Euro team, the European teams, be it Germany, Spain, Italy, the three teams that have won the last three World Cups, all their top yeah, players play in the same teams. Really, by the way. Well, in one gist, one idea, let's say. That's one. Because they play together week in, week out, or they play against each other, they know each other. They're not it's thrown yeah. together from all four corners of the earth from every three months to play. Yeah. Or from Chile's or Colombia's, it makes it a hell of a lot harder to, to compete with Germany or Spain, let's say. Yeah. We've got and also, control from a core of Bayern and Dortmund or Madrid and Barcelona players. Exactly. Um, the economy is complicated. And also, there are more Europeans. Maybe, but some of the countries like Germany also have like a really more long-term plan than mm. the than the South American countries do. Mm. Yeah. But yeah. I think that's a product yeah, management of having... Is another, yeah. Management off the pitch. For me, though, that's well. a product of having all the players close. How would you put a plan like that into, it is into implementation in Argentina when you've got players in Italy, players in Russia, players in Portugal? That's it's impossible. That's part of it, but another point is how do you put a plan into action like that when the head of your football association is Julio Grandona? Of course, yeah. Then we get into so our, to, so, to some extent, if you had an enlightened head of the Argentine FA who came through, and if, if one of us four took charge of the Argentine FA tomorrow yeah. and wanted to put a plan in place and got the chance to do no, so. No, I go in and rub just the same as Grandona, no. <laughs> take advantage. <laughs> when in Rome, no. Plus, of course, demographically. <laughs> I mean, in, in terms of the economy that the European sides have, there's an enormous advantage for them. In, in no terms comparison. of in terms of demographics, Germany, okay, Argentina, of course, has about 41 million people. 
uh, next to the Netherlands about 16 million, but in the final, Germany has twice the population of Argentina. Um, demographically, Uruguay, he reached the semi-final four years ago, has got a population of 3.3 million still. Um, 3.8 million, sorry now. Um, it, it's... Uh, it, it's a big continent, and there are lots of very big, geographically speaking, countries on it. Um, but when you bear in mind that Argentina is only the third most populous country in South America, Brazil and Colombia have both got far more people. Well, Colombia have got more people, Brazil have got far more people. Um, you kind of realise that it, a lot of it is the, the depth to which football is part of the culture, um, as well as the economy, the fact that the football here is run by ridiculous people with ridiculous aims. Um, there are a whole load of reasons. Um, Chris also asked, as we mentioned already, was this the one shot for the Argentine generation, this Argentine generation, to win the World Cup? We've asked that one already. Answered that one I'll already. tell you in four years, man. Yeah. Mateo uh, Smith says, with the youth titles drying up, where does an ageing Argentina go from here? And, LinkedIn, is the lack of youth production a reflection of a domestic league issue in quality? No, there is youth production. Mm-hmm. The youth is. doesn't stay here. Yes, increasingly yeah. it's going abroad. Uh, young players are going abroad at increasingly young ages. Uh, the lack of, of youth titles recently, I think, is as much to do with the fact that they've given the youth teams over to people who haven't got a fucking clue what yeah. they're doing. Uh, manager wise, friends of Guandona, friends of his son, his son, who's useless, and Batista before him, who then got the got the national team job after becoming the first under 20 national team manager yeah, in ages yeah. to not take Argentina he also won the Olympics so. yeah. he has been accused of, of doing something not very clean with the, the, the tickets and, and he was called the, the TV program where, that when where they they were talking about him and tried hey how do you say that about me you are you are uh, throwing dirt on me and, and yeah, yeah. this is Bandito's son, we should say. Yes, yes. yes. To clarify, but well, Lugolito, right? This one. No, no, no Bandito, 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 yes. Okay. He, uh, in a very bad way with uh, saying things in, insulting and uh, he's the under twenty yeah. national team manager. He doesn't have a clue. He basically, for example, if you look closely, you'll see that the sparring the sparring team for the for the first team in this World Cup. It's not the same that has been playing the, the youth tournaments for the Argentina no. national side. There's no continuity between nothing, between the squads, no. be, as how he plays. He doesn't have a clue. I think basically. that's one of the main points. If you look at the Argentina squad for this World Cup, um, at least half, I would say. You know, Maybe going out on a limb because I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but I'd say around half. Played in either the 2005 or 2007 under-20 World Cups. Yeah. How many of the, of the 2013, 2011, 2009 um, under-20 teams are going to be playing in 2018? One start that one of the Tejas commentators mentioned after came to the, came onto the pitch, I think, mm-hmm. during the final. He said, of the 11 players on the pitch currently for Argentina now, six of them have won the World Youth Cup together. Yeah. Uh, and we're not going to see that obviously in, in future but I think it's as much to do with management as, as players yeah. and lack of youth production I don't think there is a lack of youth no. production itself. they're coming through by the by the bucket load yeah Christopher yeah. Leonard says he notices the lack of discussion Reese Sabella's ability to get his team to the final it seems to him that it's a big accomplishment with a team of unfit players uh Chris, I can assure you that there's been no lack of discussion here in Argentina about Just that. Joy. We saw fifty thousand people go out and celebrate the the trip to the final. I think that's it. Oh, yeah, it's a massive achievement. Um, everybody has has some people have, have turned their, their opinions around one hundred and eighty degrees on Savella. It's been uh, he's fully recognised um, for what he's done now. Uh, Rob Mangavin 
has a couple of questions. Why is Higuain finishing so poorly? Why does Palacio go to pieces in the box? And why is Messi missing chances he scores for Barcelona? Higuain never got into rhythm of play. As I say, we're trying to answer these as quickly as possible. Palacio was it's Palacio. Palacio. Um, Messi's missing chances for Barcelona is part of the reason I wanted to earlier on talk about Messi's mental and, and, and physical stuff now because as we said he's clearly not the player he used to be um, plus for example Iwain through his career was was basically used to play in a different way he was much more inside the box than outside yeah, with and two wingers like yeah. Smashing balls into him all the time. Yeah. In River, he was basically always inside the box, and he came out when he wanted, but he wasn't forced to go from the sides in, inside the box. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that at some point Messi must be tired of him. Messi, he so so much pressure. It's impossible to stand so much pressure, even even being Messi. I think he's human, obviously, but sometimes we I think we don't take that into account. That. That he can feel not very good, and I think that he may may not feel good, and he doesn't say that he's not in a good way. Uh, Indeed, uh, Toby Millard and Tom Robinson both ask what have our favourite moments of the World Cup been off the pitch as well as on. I'm going to take one of do off we, the do pitch. Do we prefer Alexis squirting water over Sabella or Sabella almost? Of the beach, the over. No, it's it's Levesi squirt for me. It was just oh. the face of him just goes like that. It was Sabella uh, almost throwing, uh, 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 going yeah. to the floor, and the, the the girl from Belgium that was at the at the uh, the support the Bel- the the Belgium supporter that was like a model and and and, and she gained a contract and something like that. You've got a one track mind, Andres. This is disgusting. <laughs> um, there was also a brilliant picture um, during the Argentina Germany game. It was, I think, I can't remember what site. It might have even been on Amito, my my work sister publication. Let's say it came on. I think the caption was Argentina and Germany fans fratern- uh, fraternize, you know, happily before the game. It was. A little Argentine with his arms around a German girl, and his face was just like this, looking <laughs> oh, at a pair of massive. T- <laughs> in fact, that that German girl was posing for the cameras inside the stadium as well. There were I saw loads yeah. of photographs of her going on Twitter, and but the guy that was brilliant. It was like, there's one very funny yeah. one with with her, and just behind her, there's a guy in an England shirt who's rolled his England shirt up so that you can see the badge still, which is why I know it's an English shirt. But you can see his nipples because he's rolled it up, so doing a kind of uh, oh, yeah, look at me on the beach kind of pose. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, taking the piss out of him, which so I the Argentine guy was just like this looking down the top <laughs> <laughs> that's um, one of my favourite moments and on the pitch who cares about on the pitch when we Van, Van Persie's header against Spain Cahill's volley against the Netherlands the Costa Rica defender uh, uh, trying to, to to not to fall uh, uh, hanging with the post uh, and, and uh, the ball kicked him and, and, and then oh. uh, uh, he touched the, the, the bar Mm. Uh, that was tremendous. I'd he say w- on the pitch, anything that James Rodriguez. James's yes. goal against Uruguay. No, I guess I like the one against Which Japan. One? They were That's both the, the, the one uh, against the, Japan the was just or the end of that. The volley. Yeah. No, the other one for me. That was just beautiful. So impudent. The volley made me remember Maxi Rodriguez's goal uh, against Mexico. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the the ball basically never t- touched the ground. What I liked best about it was that. After it had been scored, they showed a replay from behind the goal. Um, and you could see, before the ball had even... It, it, I can't remember who, who made the header to him, but before the ball had reached the guy who headed it on to Hamas, 
You see Hamas sitting, the ball's going towards his head, and Hamas looks over his own shoulder. Whereabouts is the goal? Has a look, and then chest and whack straight in the spot where he looked Cristiano having his hair untidy, another one. So much to talk about. Mm. Anyway, we better uh, move on very, very quickly because um, we're not going to discuss this at all because in a couple of weeks' time, as I've already said, we are going to be previewing the new league season. Um, if you're new to Underpod, if you're listening for the World Cup Roundup, uh, then congratulations, you've got through your first one hour and 20 minutes, more or less, podcast episode. It's like this every week, don't worry. Um, but a couple of headlines that have happened just today, in fact. Omar De Felipe has stood down as Independiente manager after not coming to terms with the new directorship. The new directorship, of course, of Independiente, I don't think we mentioned this last week, um, is Hugo Moshano. Yes. Who is himself a politically interesting individual and is... Interesting, the, to say the least, yes. Um, the frontman for, essentially, uh, Independiente's uh, Barra Brava, um, who managed to kick the last guy, uh, Javier Cantero, out. So that's, that's going to be mm. interesting to keep an eye on in the next few months. Also, Juan Roman Riquelme, um, Boca Juniors uh, board directors, um, confirmed today that they've not come to an agreement with him, so... Probably in a couple of weeks' time when we record again, we'll discover that Riquelme, whilst we're recording, has signed a new contract with Boca, because that's what always happens. Um, but at the moment, at least officially, Argentino Juniors are the favourites to sign him. Uh, there are lots of Boca fans getting very angry about Riquelme asking for loads of money. And when, two weeks ago, Riquelme turned down an offer from Palmeiras, or Palmeiras no, or something. No, Sport Recife, as it happens in every pre-season. Sport Recife is a team that every, every pre-season... Uh, makes an offer and a bid but nothing if not consistent yes. one thing we might have to look forward for if Argentinos do actually make this transfer which looks unlikely we could have the prospect of two Raquelmes in one team because Raquelmes brothers in uh, Argentinos youth team is he? yep my word um, which would be maybe amazing like just to see two Raquelmes in the same pitch um, yeah it will blow my mind. Where really. does it play? I don't know. I saw it on the news today. Like it's you know a factor that which might draw him into Argentina. the chance to play with his brother. We'll find out. Polar um, winds flowing through Paternal. <laughs> I bet he's uh, like Picapierra, central defender. Like. <laughs> no, I think he's midfielder, mid, yeah. midfielder as well, yeah, we central go. midfielder. We, we don't like to give too much weight on Handapod to pre-season friendlies, but uh, this one's quite amusing. Boca Unidos have beaten Boca Juniors in the big Boca Clasico. It's not a classical. Uh, they've beaten them 2-0 today. Um, Boca Unidos playing Corrientes and Boca playing La Boca, um, as we already know. And in about an hour's time, I think, the first leg of the Recopa Sudamericana 2013, because that's how it works, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah, right? yes. yeah, yeah. 2013 kicks off uh, between the winners of last year's Copa Libertadores, Atletico Mineiro, and the winners of last year's Copa Sudamericana, who are Lanús. Um, it's in Lanús and it kicks off tonight. We're not going to talk about it too much. It's and next week they will play in Mineirao, the uh, stadium that was. Uh, yes. Ho- holds well, dear well. memories to the Brazilian team. Yeah. <laughs> and, and River plays against Missionarios today, tonight. Yes, but again, that's as a, a tribute to. So. Uh, but I'm significant for that. For the Stefano connection, which is completely by accident. Yeah, as well. it takes on an extra poignancy that they can. So it's Missionario against Missionarios. Yes. Indeed. Yes. Um, 
I think there's going to be some kind of tribute to De Stefano before the game. I would imagine so, yeah. Um, I think I read that. The idea was to play with vintage uniforms. Ah. So they say. I don't know if they will get to it. It's only online. They're not showing it on TV. They're only showing it on Yeah, and you have to register before, so... So, oh, really? I would go around it. That's a shame, because I'd I'd love to see those kits. Well, I suppose we'll see pictures of them anyway later on. Uh, But for now, ladies and gents, right before this file divides itself in two and goes into another one, um, we have just about managed to get all this into one and a half hours of recording. Excellent. Well well done, gentlemen. We'll be back in two weeks' time, as I say. Uh, Next week, by the way, is the first leg of San Lorenzo's Copa Libertadores semi-final. We're not going to preview it because we want a week off. (laughs) I I want a week off anyway. I've been working non-stop for the last month. Um, So we will be back in two weeks' time to preview the Torneo de Transición 2014, the transition tournament. uh, And of course, talk about the Copa Argentina, which is going to be kicking off. Yeah, this weekend, uh, next weekend. Talk about the Copa Argentina and about San Lorenzo's uh, Libertadores semi-final, um, and about, of course, as well, the new league structure San and Renzo, why we're having it on the San Lorenzo plays, I think, that the day after tomorrow against Almirante Brown for the Copa Argentina. There we go. Do they indeed? Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, they're they're they, would, they said they would be playing with subs because they want to privilege the surprise, surprise, surprise. Yeah. I don't think anybody <laughs> saw that coming. Um, for now. It is, uh, thank you very much, first of all, for, for listening, everybody. And it's goodbye from Andres. Goodbye. Goodbye from Gustavo. Goodbye. Goodbye from English Town. Goodbye, thank you for listening. And goodbye for me. Goodbye. Goodbye.